The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills lose an absolutely heartbreaking playoff game to the Houston Texans, 22-19 in NRG Stadium in Houston, ending their postseason hopes for 2019. This loss stings, and it will sting another few days or weeks or maybe even the offseason, but the future is still bright, Bills fans. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this recap episode, the final recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're going to discuss the Bills' loss today over the Houston Texans. We're going to go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our wall of famers and wall of shamers with some help from our amazing followers on Twitter. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, this was a this was a really tough loss. It went into overtime, but uh, but I mean, how are you guys doing in general, let me give you. Let me get a pressure pressure test on you. How are you guys doing? I'm here. <laughs> That's fair, Mike. John, I'm surprised you didn't jump through a table off of a ten story building by now. <laughs> Look, well, I, the table- I, it's just a crushing defeat. Um, there's so many points in the game where you thought they had it. Um, I can't remember a, a game that meant this much where the, where it just felt like they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory over and over again. Yeah, this was a man. They there was there was that time in the they were they were just crushing them in the first half, you know, up 16 nothing and then all of a sudden the second half it just was like flipped. It was completely flipped. The Texans scored 19 unanswered points and the Bills just couldn't stop the Texans defensively and the offense couldn't produce any points. On the board, and uh, there was a lot of poor officiating. Um, not to blame that, but you know, I'm going to blame them. I always like to blame them, and um, just you know, some poor play calls in general. And there was just a lot of things that, like you said, Mike. I mean, they were just. I mean, you know, just for example, I mean, you know, we're we're texting, you know, the entire time during the game, tweeting, texting all the time. And uh, and John, you brought up like the third and eighteen, where you know it was overtime, and the the Bills had just sacked. Deshaun Watson with Saran Neal came around the edge super fast. Deshaun Watson was not getting away from Saran Neal. And, you know, you had him dead to rights, third and 18. You're like, the Bills are going to, the Bills are 
are, I feel like are really good at third and long. And they just like keep everything in front of them. And they kept, you know, was it Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson? Either way, it doesn't matter. Whoever caught that pass, it was running back out of the backfield, caught it. And he had about 10 yards to scamper, 20 yards to scamper. And it was like, it was just, it, it was like first down again. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. Third and 18? You're going to convert in that? So well, there was the play where there was a delay of game too, right? Yeah, where they didn't call the bl- delay yeah. of game, you know. I think you even there were so many things in the game not so we don't overlook something. Yeah, I would dial it back even to the start of the first half. Let's dial it back. Yeah, and go through and go through the just the soul crushing plays chronologically. Yeah, the first one for me was when you think the Bills have recovered the kick. Right in the end zone for the touchdown, nineteen zero. Like the referee very definitively throws <laughs> his hands. Touchdown, Buffalo. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I did not know these other refs existed. I guess. Oh, you mean uh, these? I, I, I thought that was the guy that comes out and got right in his face. I was like, toss that, toss that, uh, coach, yeah, toss that, yeah, Texans coach. Yeah, yeah. You were yelling at the TV. You're like, get him out of here, throw him out, eject him. He can't talk to you like that. Oh, he's not a Texans coach, Mike. He is an actual officiating crew member that you've never ever seen in any other game or any other instance in NFL history. Who's standing on the sidelines just in case something happens that goes right for the Bills? <laughs> Comes out of nowhere. And it's everybody like, no. painted him as like a a, a backup or a, a lesser official, not a lesser that official. Could run in and overrule it. Yeah, unless it's a maybe his mic headphones goes to NFL corporate right in New York. Like, oh, don't make that call. I don't know, but in my mind, he never downed the ball. Didn't kneel right? Like that should have been a Bills touchdown. According to the rule, that should have been a Bills touchdown. There are rules. And and the and the only justification was, oh well, he meant to do this or common sense, which makes no sense when you have rules. He threw the ball on the ground. It was recovered by Buffalo. Well, is it like if the guy puts the arms out, does that not count, John, as a down ball? Like I thought I think I feel like I've seen I've oh, you know what though? He didn't give himself up, he gave the ball up. Yeah, he didn't go down any part of his body. Yeah, you know, I've only seen them do the, like the arms out thing, as if when the ball hits the end zone and they don't catch it. It's like I give like it's it is what it is. But like when you catch that's it, to communicate to your teammates, mm-hmm. it's not like kneeling. The ball's in your possession and you're kneeling. Yeah, and then you no, can hand not. it to the ref. Even the ref was like, he tried to help him. Like, like don't give it to me. What are you doing? <laughs> Threw up his hands. I don't want it. Hot potato, right? Let's just. Ah, that was extremely frustrating. The Bills recover a touchdown. I mean, it's just when there's a written rule and you go to the interpretation of it, that was very frustrating because 19 seemed insurmountable. Mm -hmm. But taking those points off the board, the momentum shifted, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they shifted right there. Um, You want to go into other parts of the game where where the the momentum shifted? Josh Allen, let's talk about the fourth quarter. Towards the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, there was just a couple of just killer plays where the Bills are driving to tie up the game. And they're at, hold on, let me pull up the drive summary. Oh, yeah, here it is. So uh, John Josh Allen had that incomplete pass, but it was a, an illegal, um, it was intentional grounding call for 14 yards. So the Bills, you know, we're at the Houston 28. They get backed up to the Houston 42 on fourth and 27, which Mike, you, you 
were bringing up while we were watching it, they could have potentially punted from there too, from the Houston 42, just to back the the Houston Texans up to with three with three timeouts. Right, you your defense was playing very good football. You can't go for it in fourth and twenty seven when you you can get the ball back. Yeah, when there's so enough it's time. Excusable. Yeah, they did have enough time too because they had three timeouts still. In just under two minutes, right? Just under two minutes. So it was one forty one when they when they uh, when the next play ended, and then Josh Allen takes that nineteen yard sack because that was it was there were two plays in a row that cost them a total of thirty three yards when it was already third and thirteen for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills at the Houston twenty eight. So Houston twenty eight, you're talking about a forty five yard field goal. It's not chip shot, but that's much more makeable. You know, then all of a sudden they get back to 14 yards. You're talking a 59-yard field goal or go for it on fourth and 27, which I almost would have preferred either going for the field goal or, or I mean, punting it at that point. And they did either of them, and they went for it on fourth. Fourth and 27, mind you, the offense had been playing putrid the entire second half. So it wasn't like they're like, oh, well, this can easily be done because they've been doing so well up until this point. It was questionable play calling. It was questionable decision-making. I would have gone for a fourth and twenty-seven still. Yeah, you think that's, me. you think it's better than backing the Texans up at their own ten-yard line or whatever? Well, it's assuming that it wasn't a touchback and you know whatever. But no, I I would have gone for it too. All the all the Texans needed was a first down. Yeah, so it, that's a good point because it doesn't matter where they get that first down if it's at their own twenty or at the Bills twenty. The, and the Bills did stop them, and the Bills did force overtime. So it completely flipped the field. They had they. They were moving at that point. They could have scored a touchdown if they had more yards, if they had punted there, I think. I mean, it's not inconceivable. But the Texans would have punted on fourth instead of going for it on fourth, and they probably would have got it around the same field position anyway. Probably wouldn't have mattered too much. Yeah, because the Bills, got it, Bills yeah. got it on their own 30. Mm-hmm. At, after, the, after the Texans went for it on fourth and one, and Deshaun Watson got stuffed. Um, thanks to Star Latulale, by the way. Amazing stop by him on that play. Um, to stuff the stuff the play, um, yeah. I mean, there was just a lot of things you know to take from this game, and it, I mean, well, that takes us to the blindside block, doesn't it? Oh, do you want to talk blindside block? Let's talk blind. I mean, we haven't even talked about overtime. You want to talk overtime? Go ahead, blindside block. No, Mike. please. I mean, a to- completely phantom call. Yeah, I'm so, not one for conspiracy theories, but the league, the refs, the announcers, everyone was rooting for Texans. Everyone was rooting for the Texans. It feels like that every week, doesn't it? It's like, I mean, J.J. Watt, I mean, they were, <laughs> there were some funny tweets out there about how much they were slobbering all over J.J. Watt and that whole thing. But um, it just, there was a lot of things that just went poorly for the Bills in the second half and in the overtime. And a lot of it had to do with their own doing, of course. You know, you don't. You don't, you know, get 16 unanswered points scored against you without it being your fault, um, and not score any points. And it's just the the blindside block like on they Cody were Ford. Looking at each other. Yeah, I'm trying to pull. It, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. Allen's already by him, um, and, and it the Bills are in field goal range. Next score win scenario, and then it knocked him out. So the Bills were at the 42 yard line, I believe, of the Texans, and. Josh Allen rolls out to his right, gets to within like I think the 35-yard line or 34-yard line. Either way, sets it up to like a 50-yard kick as opposed to a 59-yard kick. It's still not a first down, but it makes it a winnable kick to win the game because this is overtime. And because the Texans did not score on their first possession, 
the Bills just had to score a field goal to win the game, right? And and the blindside block, at least as it's quoted in the rule books, it says, um, it is prohibited for a blocker to initiate forcible contact with his head, shoulder, or forearm when his path is toward or parallel to his own end line. So he's he's blocking a guy who's going for the quarterback. <laughs> this is a this is a defensive end who's running after a scrambling a scrambling Josh Allen and he's stopping him, essentially. So I don't if it's a rule, it's a terrible rule, um, but it looks like they weren't even calling it correctly. And how do you not swallow the whistle at that point in the game? Unless it's blatantly obvious, because there were some holding calls that looked like um, were, were happening by the Texans offensive linemen over Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy or whatever towards the end of the game that were not called. We mentioned the delay of game call earlier, penalty that was not called earlier. I mean, you either you either have to swallow your whistle or you're going to call blatant. blatant I know. don't even swallow the whistle. I think it should be the same all the time, right? Impartial. So I don't. Just be consistent. Did, one, yeah, exactly. One way or the other. You wouldn't call that one out of a hundred times. The guy was he was looking. The guy was looking at Cody Ford. It wasn't like because you think about a crackback block, right? Like whereas like a guy's like there's an interception and a, you know a defensive back is going completely across, opposite completely, side of the field. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Wide receivers going and then you can just completely crack him back. Like Jarvis Landry, perfect example. Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. block, right or whatever. And this was not that. The guy was looking right at Cody Ford. He was looking. Cody Ford was blocking for. Josh Allen, it was not a blindside block, as, as you would think about it actually naturally. So that's how I saw it. Um, and, you know, uh, other people with a lot more clout than we do saw the same exact thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bills had seven sacks on the day for Deshaun Watson. So you don't think that right tackle, who's pretty awful, wasn't trying to hold Shaq Lawson or Trent Murphy during parts of the game, yet it was never called, and then you're going to call that? I don't know. It seems, it seems a little tick, ticky-tacky. So there was, a, <laughs> Allen, I mean, let's let's just all say that, you know, this was a learning experience for Allen. He didn't look great today, um, minus the first drive or so. Um, there were a lot of issues he had uh, moving the ball, moving the change, move, moving the chains, I should say, completing drives to get into the end zone. Um, there was that play where um, Josh, at the end of the fourth quarter, was trying to you know, run. This was after he took those two huge sacks to really kill the Bills um, offensively, and you know, put a lot of pressure on the defense. When they did get the ball back, he was running out of bounds, and he kind of flipped it over to Dawson Knox, and that was not an accurate flip. And luckily, Dawson Knox knocked it out of bounds, stopped the clock. But that was a that was a rookie play call. I mean, it was kind of like the the hero ball of like laterals. That was like that was like what we would do in our Thanksgiving football game, right? Like Mike's being tackled, and before you can get tackled by, you know, one of the, you just flip it to me, right? Except in that in that instance, usually it works, <laughs> but you're also not being dragged down by like a you know a 250 pound linebacker. <laughs> well, you get the sense that. He was playing like there's no time left, like that that was the end, when in reality there's all kinds of time. Okay. Time wasn't the problem. Like if that works out, if he knows Knox's positioning better, like it's the play of the year in the NFL, right? If mm-hmm. Knox goes on to score a touchdown or an extra 20 yards, you know, it's amazing, but clearly that didn't happen. Yeah. But, I mean, that I, I think that segues my feeling. A lot of what I took away, Bills came on the first series – Great play calling. Got up big, um, and got conservative, 
if we're going to uh, you want to go down that road with oh table yeah and, yeah conservative um, yeah that that first drive was perfection <laughs> yeah the the let's talk about that there was but i got the only segue i want to point out is like allen was playing like that was the last play of the game mm-hmm. and dable in overtime was playing like he had two minutes i felt like when singletary was carving them up all game he only focused on the pass when they got the ball in overtime like yeah. we need to the time's against us we need to score in a minute and a half like it didn't seem like the switch flipped in his head from the end of regulation where time is your enemy you need to score a field goal like the same play calling the same everything seemed the same into overtime when it's yeah. a completely different game when Drop you can go back, back to singletary mm-hmm. we can try different things mm-hmm. yeah john what'd you think I, I can't disagree with those assessments. I mean, there were other issues as well. Um, there were breakdowns on the offensive line at times. Sometimes they only had lots of time. Sometimes he had no time. Sometimes they had three rushers, and he got sacked almost immediately. Uh, Duke Williams had a couple of drops. John Brown didn't had no presence of the sideline. Sideline didn't drag his feet. I mean, there were other issues um, all around. Um, it's the bottom line is. The offense does need to score more points, and um, I'm hoping that you know this off season and the draft will just get along. I mean, they they have come a long way in a few years, um, but they they still need some more improvements there. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I'm I'm glad you said that, John, because I was reading an article by Buffalo Rumblings writer um, Jeff Kontrowski earlier this week, and he was saying that you know when the Bills have played similar opponents to the Houston Texans defensively to the, you know, basically applying the same like idea of like where they ranked the Houston Texans ranks here and here. I think believe they were 20th in the, in the run game defensively and 30th in the past. And he's like, when the bills have played games teams similar to this, the bills scored like an average of like 28 and a half points. And this game, they scored 19 points in regulation. Like that's not enough. <laughs> like you can hang it on the defense for for you know what you want to say. And and you know there were issues where they definitely didn't. You know, I mean, Deshaun Watson was 20 for 25. Like that's amazing. Like he's a great quarterback. You know, there was that play, you know, in overtime where you thought that you had Deshaun Watson dead to rights, and it ended up winning them the game. You know, there were Saran Neal and Matt Milano both tried to sack. Deshaun Watson at the same exact instance, and he just bounces right off both of them. They both they both almost kind of hit each think, other. Yeah, I think it was bad luck. Like he almost kind of like ricocheted off of one tackle into the other to bounce out of it. It's terrible luck, awful luck, like the worst luck. <laughs> you get the feeling like half a second, if just half a second separated the two hits, right? It's like they almost perfectly coincided and just counteracted each other. And then Deshaun Watson, you know, dumps it off to. You know, the running back for like a 40 yard play to get down at the time. Then it's like game over just in that one amazing play. And yeah, it's just bad luck. But yeah, the Bills didn't score enough, you know, offensively. You, you hold the Houston Texans to, you know, I guess in regulation, you would say 19 points. Like the Bills should probably win that game. But yeah, the conservative play calling, Mike, like you mentioned, Brian Dable, that was frustrating. Um, I was glad, though, I will say, you know, as much as I wasn't happy with the offense, I was glad that, you know, Duke Williams was there. He had a couple of really key third-down catches. Um, You know, we were basically banging on the table to get Duke Williams some run this week, and they made him active this week. I don't think the the return team, the coverage team, really suffered a whole lot, I think, special teams-wise, because everyone was like, whoa, who are you going to start, you know, on special teams? Or who are you going to take out on special teams? You know, Robert Foster. And then Robert Foster was... Ended up being 
you know, the guy that was inactive. And I think the Bills didn't suffer a whole lot. So they found a way to work him into the roster. So, um, you know, I'm glad that the, the Bills found a way to do that, you know, coaching-wise. But it was in the Bills' defense. They had seven sacks on Deshaun Watson. I mean, they were getting after him. Deshaun Watson, though, in the second half kept avoiding them, kept evading pressure. And the spies that they had working in the first half were not working in the second half. I mean, Deshaun Watson was the leading rusher for the Houston Texans. Let's just go into stats of the game for today's game. This is a good segue. Um, let's go right into Houston. I was just mentioning Deshaun Watson passing-wise, 20 for 25, 247 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Rushing the ball, leading rusher, Deshaun Watson, 14 carries for 55 yards, one touchdown rushing. The guy was just, you know, unstoppable. The Bills just didn't have an answer for him towards the second half and the end of the game. Carlos Hyde was the second leading rusher, 16 carries for 48 yards. Leading receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. One of the major um, storylines going into this game was how was Tredavious White going to fare against DeAndre Hopkins? Well, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins had six receptions on eight targets. So I know they weren't all against, um, you know, uh, Tredavious White, but, you know, Tredavious White... Yeah, or DeAndre Hopkins had a good game. Kenny Stills was the second leading receiver for the Houston Texans, five or four receptions on five targets for 46 yards. And then you had uh, Daniel Fells, uh, four receptions on five targets for 37 yards. Now, and he had that one huge drop. Remember their first possession in overtime? It was third and three. Um, DeAndre, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson again evading pressure, getting out of the pocket, and he throws. You know, a pretty good pass to Daniel Fells, and Daniel Fells drops, and you're like, this is it. Like, this is all we need to do to win this game. Like, we were thinking, okay, because that first possession is so crucial in overtime. Because if you score a touchdown or a field goal, then the other team has to answer. But if you go four, three and out, then all of a sudden, all you have to do is score a, a field goal. So we were tired. The Bills got the ball at the 30-yard line. Okay, to get to the other team's 30-yard line, that's 40 yards. The Bills only have to get 40 yards. And I think they got to like, you know, 34 yards or something like that before the penalty. And then there was a penalty by, you know, Cody Ford, the quote-unquote penalty, and then that killed the drive, and the Bills ended up punting it. And then Sean Watson and the Texans get the ball back again, and everything's, you know, that was the end of the game, basically. The Bills couldn't stop. The Houston Texans on that long third and 18 with that dump off pass to Carlos Hyde. And that was it. And then Sean Watson had that amazing. Anyway, so stats of the game. Let's go back into stats. I'm just depressing myself talking about this. Um, go on the Bills side of the ball. Josh Allen was 24 for 46, just barely above 50%, uh, 264 yards passing, uh, zero touchdowns. He did have that one costly fumble. Um, in the middle of the game, um, John Brown passing wise, one for one, 16 yards, one touchdown. John Brown had more touchdown passes than, uh, than Josh Allen did, but Josh Allen did have more receiving touchdowns than John Brown did. So that's something. <laughs> Josh Allen was, uh, Josh Allen, we talked about Deshaun Watson being the leading rusher for the Texans. Josh Allen was a leading rusher for the Buffalo Bills, nine attempts, 92 yards. He had that long 42-yard run in the beginning of the, that first drive. That was amazing. As much as I've criticized Brian Dable for QB-designed runs, I mean, that was an amazing play. I mean, that, that was – and then he, he kind of went back to the well as the game went on with the QB-designed runs and didn't have nearly as much success. And, you know, one time it almost killed Josh Allen because those guys um, – I believe it was Cunningham, linebacker for – the Texans just like knife through Dawson Knox and 
Mitch Morris and just buried Josh Allen on that QB design run. He got out into some space. You're like, oh, he's got four blockers there and like nobody in front of him. Like they're just going to, he's going to get a 10, you know, 15, 20 yard run on it. And he ended up getting a, a run, a rush for no yardage on that one. He got, he got buried by Cunningham and, and uh, yeah, Devin Singletary, the next leading rusher for the Bills, 13 carries for 58 yards. And then Frank Gore doing his normal Frank Gore thing, eight carries for 22 yards, um, just a little above two yards per carry there. Um, Devin Singletary, the leading receiver for the Bills, six receptions on seven targets, 76 yards today. So Devin Singletary going over 100 yards from scrimmage, both receiving and rushing the ball. If I can do my math quick enough, that is 134 yards today of total offense. So great game by the rookie running back. John Brown was a second leading receiver, four receptions on eight targets for 50 yards. Um, Duke Williams was the next leading receiver, four receptions on 10 targets for 49 yards. And Cole Beasley uh, is the next one after that, four receptions on five targets for 44 yards. And then... Like then you know Isaiah McKenzie blah, blah blah and then Josh Allen one target, one reception, sixteen yards, one touchdown. That was a pretty cool play. I didn't like how he how he uh, you know got taken out by the knees, but luckily it wasn't an injury or anything. It's just you know you just never like to see your quarterback get hit like that. Team wise, time of possession was pretty much even between the Bills and the Texans. The third down conversion rate was almost identical. Um, Total yards of offense, the Bills actually had 425 yards of total offense to the Texans, 360 yards. So we talked about the Bills not being able to succeed offensively. And it wasn't a matter of yardage. Like, they did just fine. It was a matter of actually converting field goals to touchdowns. Because after that first touchdown, they had three field goals in a row and then a fourth field goal to get it into overtime. And it's just the Bills were struggling with that today. I feel like that's happened a lot this year. They've been able to move the ball, which is an improvement over the past, but they haven't been able to necessarily finish. So, you know, they keep improving, maybe, you know, finish a little bit more and, you know, maybe next year, right? Exactly. The efficiency is really bad for the Bills. The yards per pass were 5.3 yards for the Buffalo Bills, and it was 8.8 yards for the Houston Texans. And then if you want to talk penalties, the Bills had seven penalties for 64 yards, while the Houston Texans, playing a very clean game, only had four yard, or four penalties for 20 yards. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, rough officiating, rush game planning, coaching, rough, I'm sorry, rough game planning, coaching by the Buffalo Bills in that. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to digest. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. But after that, we're going to go into our plays of the game and our wall of famers and wall of shamers. So stick around. Welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you for joining us. I'm with my co-hosts, John and Mike. So I thought, you know, for all the things that, you know, went poorly for the Bills, um, you know, the defense still looked great. I mean, minus the second half, and even so, I mean, the Texans have a very good offense. You know, they're above average in almost every stat, and uh, I thought they did a great job of getting to Deshaun Watson. Trent Murphy, you know, had a great game. He had two sacks. Jerry Hughes had three sacks. Um, this was just a great game um, by the Buffalo Bills almost all around. They didn't completely pitch a shutout like we had hoped, but overall I thought they had a had a decent game. I mean, 
let's go into all right, let's just go right into our wall of famers and wall of shamers for today's game. So wall of fame. Wall. John, who do you think deserves to be put on our on your wall of fame in today's playoff loss? I'm gonna go with Hauska. Four for four, kick the field goal to going overtime. Why not? Yeah, that was good. He was money today. He was money today. He was uh, he was almost about to be tested for a 50, 52, 51 yard field goal. If it wasn't for that Cody Ford block and the way he was kicking today, you know, I I, I feel confident. I feel like he could have done it. He could have almost won them the game if it wasn't for that. Mike, who do you want to put on your wall of fame for It's got to be Hauschka. No mistakes. Perfect. I mean, we had total confidence in every kick that he went up there to make. I love that feeling. <laughs> it's a good feeling. So it was, he, has a, he had a couple of rough games this year, and all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about, man, maybe it was a good thing that uh, they re-signed him, you know, for that two-year two year extension because he's been looking good. I'm going to put in my... In my opinion, I think the Wall of Fame deserves to go to Devin Singletary. Like I mentioned before, over 130 total scrimmage yards today. Um, being a rookie, I mean, he was just... How many times did... And this isn't a knock against Frank Gore because we like Frank Gore and he is 36 years old. But I mean, Frank Gore plays amazing for his age. Like, let's not take anything away from Frank Gore. But when Devin Singletary is on the field, there's just... How many times did we watch him where like he just guys just bounce off of him or they just can't take him down? He keeps running, he keeps pushing, and you think legitimately like he might break one. Like there were a couple of times where there was just a just a, a shoestring tackle or a guy just hanging on to his jersey just a little bit longer. I mean, I I love the kid. I think he had a great game. I think he's had a great season. And I think that the Bills should look at him and the future running back and be like, this guy's the real deal. This guy can do everything. That you need him to do, and and I've been really pleasantly surprised with him all season, and today was no exception. Yeah, I mean, great game, but it it highlights the inexplicableness to me of giving him thirteen carries. Yeah, especially in overtime, like it's it's first and ten at the forty, and it's throw 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 instead of hand it to Singletary, who's gashed them all game. Yeah, I mean that's not on him. That goes back to offensive play calling, but it. That boggles my mind when you when you tell me his stats and why does he only have thirteen carries? Why does why does Frank Gore have eight of eight carries and Devin Singletary only have thirteen? Like that's that's something that's very and I don't know if that comes down to Brian Dable or McDermott, but um I would have liked to see Devin Singletary get a lot more of those carries. I mean, last game, no, the game before last game, uh Frank Gore didn't get a single carry. So we're like, okay, we weren't upset about that. We weren't thinking, oh man. Frank Gore needs to really be involved in the game plan more. It's like Frank Gore needs to be involved in the game plan just to relieve Devin Singletary. He doesn't need to be a focal point. Um, you know, it's it's the guy. He is what he is. He's like around one to two yards per carry. Devin Singletary had over four yards per carry today. So, yeah, frustrating. That was almost like, do you remember when the Bills beat the Steelers and you saw James Conner, and he was having a good game, or the Dallas Cowboys against the Bills, and Ezekiel Elliott is having a good game, and you're like, man, if they just stuck with the run, like they would probably beat us, and they didn't. They Instead, they went pass, pass, pass. Like that's, I feel like that's almost like what we did today. 46 pass attempts compared to like 21 rush attempts by running backs. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a one-to-two ratio there. And obviously, there were several, you know, Josh Allen designed runs 
in there, like four or five. So you say it's like one to two, really, you know, 50% um, or only, a, uh, yeah, like a third of the play calls were actually running plays. So that's, that's disappointing. So let's go into our wall of shamers for today's loss. Shame. 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 Who do we put on our wall of shame? Man, man. I, I, I think I'll go first on this one. I hate blaming the referees for the game, but, you know, people, and it's funny because people will say, you know, you shouldn't have to rely on the referees because, you know, the Bills allowed 16 unanswered points or whatever. It's like, yeah, but the Texans also allowed 16 unanswered points in the first half. So it's it's a wash, right? You have one or two plays that get called the opposite way and are an impactful and an important part of the game that go the other way. They help you dramatically or that don't get called. They help you dramatically. And then they get called. They punish you severely. I mean, you're talking about the Cody Ford block. That could have led to a game-winning field goal. In overtime, you're talking about, Mike, the second half um, uh, touchdown that was reversed by the, spe- you know, the special teams touchdown, which was re- reversed by this you know referee in black that we've never even seen before. Two of them came out on the field and you know just told the guy that he was completely wrong. And it's like, you know, how come that guy wasn't on the field when Cody Ford had that block? You know, how come that guy was nowhere to be found when the Bills had a... Uh, had a call against them. Anyways, uh, I'm going to give it to... I'm, who knew they existed? That's the only time. <laughs> they, they're, they're like coming out of the tunnel, out of this black box room in Houston, Texas Stadium, just in case the Bills get ahead by too many points. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're talking to them being up by like three scores right at the you know beginning of the, beginning of the second half. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to give it to the referees. I feel like the Bills have had to play an uphill battle with not only this game, but a, a lot of the games recently. Um, and it was, uh, today was no exception. So John, what about you? Who's on your wall of shame for today's loss? Yes, obviously it's the officiating thing. And for all the reasons, the three big ones were the kickoff, touchdown, non, non-touchdown, the supposed line block, and the uh, overtime, third down, delay of game that should have been. Yeah, good call. Mike, what do you got? It's Brian Dable. Come on. When he gets up, he gets conservative. We saw the disparity between passes by Allen and Singletary rushes, and Singletary was having the success. And then calling an overtime game like there's a minute left in the in regulation, I thought was unforgivable and cost him the game. Do you think that's partly Sean McDermott, though, talking to – Brian Dable and say, okay, let's let's run the ball more. I mean, he wasn't even running the ball. He was playing a conservative passing game, right? Like this was not a this was not a conservative. It was a conservative game plan, but it wasn't like here, let's give the ball to Devin Singletary, let's run the clock out. I mean, I guess okay. Going back to my original question, do you think that was more Brian Dable or do you think that was Sean McDermott? Do you think Sean McDermott has anything because he's a defensive minded coach? A lot of times, defensive minded coaches tend to want to. Um, Run the ball instead of pass it, just to like limit opportunities for turnovers. I think it's Dable. <laughs> just say it. Running, why would you say they're more conservative? If they're more conservative. What do you think they would run more? Like you said, they're like what is it, forty six pass attempts? So it's like a th- only thirty three percent running versus passing or something like that. Yeah, like I made up that percentage, but yeah, it like they're more aggressive as opposed to being conservative. That's a good point. It does seem somewhat aggressive to be passing the ball more than running the ball like almost a two to one ratio so 
you just meant the aggressive play or the conservative play calling of the pass plays. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> this We're going to edit all this anyway. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't care. It's a loss. It's like, whatever <laughs> it's I'm so I, I it took a lot for us to actually record John, this. You know there was a difference between that first the first series and every series after every that. series after when they get up. According to the according to the CTW podcast, after the first series, Dave will earn another year, right? <laughs> that is what I said from the Twitter account. And then he must have read it too, because he's like, sweet, got another year. I'm not gonna get fired. And then he's just, you know. <laughs> and then, and then you for, put that out. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I guess he earned another year. <laughs> well, ho- I'm hoping he gets a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, he won't after this game. No. Good. Maybe they can get somebody like Rick Dennison. Oh, God. See, that's the thing that you don't think about is the person that you're replacing with, you're just hoping is better than the other one. Luckily, with Rick Dennison, the bar was so low. I mean, it was so awful that anything was going to be a step up. Even Brian Dable who's never been truly successful as an offensive coordinator of the NFL. Now, he's always had the excuse of, you know, he's been working with, you know, Matt Castle and all these other terrible quarterbacks. But, you know, wasn't a great year by the Bills' offense. But we'll talk about that in the offseason series. Just so people know, we will be doing some offseason podcasts, and we will go over statistics and rankings and all that stuff of the Bills to get you a good idea of where the Bills stand before free agency in March. Um we're not like gonna, if you want if you want to get rid of Dable, who are you going to bring in? Who do you want? Someone better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you have somebody in mind, right? Well, I don't know. I I don't have to have anyone in mind. It's not my job to fill in the vacancy. But I see what you're saying, and even if I do pick someone, they might not necessarily be better. But it's just like the Duke Williams thing. People are like, well, you know, Duke Williams. Well, who if you're going to activate him and make him a part of the offense, which he did have ten targets today, by the way, so he was a huge part of the offense. If you're going to make him part of the offense, like who are you going to take out? I'm like, I don't care. That's not my decision. That's not my job. Terrible. To- you had a terrible poll. You're like, oh, would you pick Duke Johnson or some random special teams player? Well, pick a specific player. Why? Why does it have to be a random player? Obviously, everybody's going to pick Duke Williams over. Random person. John is freaking salty true. tonight. I will say that. John, have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's not a matter of. <laughs> I mean, Duke. It was just a matter of like, there's somebody that you can find to replace him. Whether you're starting a starter on defense as a special teamer, or why does it have to be a gunner? Why does it have to be the most important position? you know, on coverage or special teams or return. I mean, just find somebody to replace them with for that game, whether it's, you know, Robert Foster, Kirk Coleman or whatever, like find a backup that can, or a starter. Like they be, the bills have starters that play on special teams. Like Lorenzo Alexander's plays on special teams. Like find another guy. Anyway, that, that cover, I'm not going to, I like Duke Williams, but he also had a couple drops today. I mean, that could have cost him the game. He did have a couple drops, but he was also clutch on third down too. He had two huge third down catches that saved the bills. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a good pass. That was a tough. Actually, I think the cornerback played that perfectly because he like, did have the ball, and it was just ripped out of his hands by. Uh, I'm not hating on him. I like him. I love him. It sounds like I'm you hate saying, him. Sounds like you can't I'm, stand him. I'm just saying he wasn't the difference maker that you're looking for today. No, I'm not expecting him to be the complete. I think he, actually I would disagree. I would think he is a uh, is a difference maker compared to 
either whatever Robert Foster or Isaiah McKenzie would have contributed in a wide receiver three role or wide receiver four or whatever. Like I think he he showed up in a in a more important way than I think a lot of the other wide receiver four or fives would. So anyway, enough about your hatred of Duke Williams, okay? That's not what this conversation's about. <laughs> this is about just questioning. I don't even know what the conversation is about. Where did, where did we get on from this? This is the most convoluted podcast ever, but... I love you. <laughs> you just don't love Duke Williams. <laughs> just kidding, John. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, but, you know, you you can... There, there are questionable decisions that, you know, are made. I'm just wondering if it's Brian Dable or if it's, and you know what, you know what's good though is I do trust McDermott to look at this offense objectively in the offseason and say, is this a Brian Dable issue? Is, or is it Josh Allen not executing like he should be? And I'm sure a lot of the blame goes on Josh Allen too. A lot of the issues where he's not hitting players or he's making the wrong read or he's not calling, you remember there was that one play call where the Bills were, you know, driving down the field and, uh, you know, Josh Allen saw something in the defense and he completely changed the call. I mean, without completely huddling the team back up again, he told the offensive linemen the play call change. He told the wide receivers the play call change. He told the running back the play call change. And then, you know, he, he makes a play call and it's like a two-yard loss, right? He audibles into a two-yard loss. So, you know, there's he doesn't go without blame for sure. I 100% agree with that. I just, I guess I still, I just trust McDermott to look at this objectively and say, hey, was this Brian Dable? Was it Josh Allen? Was it the entire offense growing as a unit, a new offensive line, you know, compared to last season? Um, you know, who's the blame on? How do I fix this? And how do we make it better for next season? Because just Josh Allen's third year, you know, he's going to have, I imagine, more weapons at his disposal, you know, through free agency in the draft. And, you know, maybe some upgrades at offensive line. I mean, this is going to be a big year for them offensively. Do I want Brian Dable as my play caller going forward? So I have two questions for you. Two questions. Question one, do you think Josh Allen improved from 2018 to 2019? Yes. You think Brian Dable improved from 2018 to 2019? See, I could say yes, though, with a caveat, because all of everything was upgraded. (laughs) Everything. Yes or no? Play uh, calling. Just play calling alone. Mm, Do you think it was better? I'm willing to go. Um, I think it's both. Both for the play calling. Um, I think that things have improved, but he's got a ton more. He had, you know, historically bad talent. Poor talent. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's gotten a little better this year. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but what you're saying right now is that given another offensive coordinator, it couldn't be much better, right? I mean, what did the Ravens end up? The Ravens ended last season with Lamar Jackson like going like seven and one or something like that, with Lamar Jackson as a starter after after Joe Flacco went down, and they didn't keep their offensive coordinator. Instead, they got Greg Roman, and they became an elite offensive unit. So you're saying up because the Bills had Greg Roman, they fired him. He went to Baltimore. That's very interesting. Yeah, he did really well. Oh, Greg Roman was never the issue. We're not going to get into that. Greg Roman was never the issue when he was here. It was always Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan was blaming Greg Roman for his terrible defense. <laughs> so, I, but but to say that you can't improve in some area, I don't think is is a correct statement either. Um, you just fear what you don't know, right? There are plenty. Of- I think the point that I was trying to make was that you know Allen improved and Dable 
if Dable improves as well, if they both improve, then, you know, let's not be hasty, right? Like Sean McDermott, if he makes it through 10 games next season, he's the longest tenured coach since Levy. Like, it feels like he just got here and he's already going to be the longest tenured coach in like 30 years. Wow. Like, let's keep some consistency on the offense and let it develop. So, so you say give Dable one more year to to figure it out? At least. At least. Well, what would you consider? Let's say they were 27th in offensive production yardage-wise. What would you say is an improvement on that to like 20? So if he gets them from 27 to 20? Or is it like 27 to like top 10, top 15? John convinced me. Keep Dable? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't saying get rid of Dable, but yeah. You're pretty down on him. Jeez. <laughs> you just used him as your wall of shame. I didn't like, even. This is the first time to, to step back. Like this one just stings really bad right now. And I place a lot of the blame on the play calling because we've talked about it, but I don't understand that urgency in overtime and that recency bias, right? It looms large because it just happened. Stepping back from that, John makes an excellent point about the, the how continuity is important. Exactly. Oh, it is. Right. And it's sense, such a sense of flux in the organization for decades. And I do think we can agree we have a GM we believe in, um, head coach, quarterback, like that. Again, stepping back, that's all very attractive for the season ahead, for the years come. Like we can, we can approach next season with a much more uh, greater sense of optimism than we have in, yeah. in a long, long time. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But. <laughs> I will leave I will leave you thinking about this then is that continuity is very important but if you keep continuity and it's poor continuity then you're going to cause issues further down the road because all of this time where he could have been getting greater tutelage potentially quote unquote potentially which we don't know is true depends on who they would choose they're missing out on him taking that much more of a step up year after year after year Right, like if we had kept Rex Ryan for two more years, do you think he would have improved the defense? Like, no. Like he took a fifth ranked defense or third ranked defense, and he took him to the twenties. Right. So, like we're like, well, keep continuity. Eventually, he'll turn it back up. We don't know that. So, so I mean, there's there's true. there's keeping continuity for the sake of keeping continuity, and then there's keeping continuity because you know you can see a projection of it trending upward. Otherwise. You're just keeping bad coaches, you know. And I would say, so, no, no, go ahead. I would say that just only because Brian Dable doesn't have a track record of success in the NFL as an offensive coordinator leads me to wonder if it is the right choice. Um, not that he can't have it, because people have proven to succeed when not having any success prior. But like, look at the uh, Atlanta Falcons, like losing Kyle Shanahan. You losing Kyle Shanahan, they haven't had a winning record since then. You know, like. And he now he's gone to another team, and he's an amazing head coach, and they're probably you know Super Bowl contenders, right? Like, like good coaches tend to do well from place to place. So anyway, um, you see how I'm looking at you in the eye and nodding. I'm trying to make a concerted effort to always listen with the intent to agree. Okay, but I can't this time. <laughs> I just can't. Rex Ryan, we like even when we had him, we thought we were, we were optimistic about the Bills, but he's kind of a buffoon a little bit right like oh yeah doesn't seem like a super intelligent guy more like a rah rah we're going to the super bowl yeah whereas and and he was the face of the organization but with dable i 
do think like he's not the head coach, right? So McDermott being the Pagulas, like if, if they think he's not the right guy, he's low enough on the totem pole where a change can be made, I think, right? Like we're not looking at him in a vacuum. There are other people who do have a track record now of a couple of years who can make that decision, mm-hmm. I think. So I, I don't think the Rex Ryan comparison is necessarily fair. No, no. But then again, Rex Ryan had much more success as a coordinator than Brian Dable has had in the NFL. I mean, Rex Ryan led the what the 2000 Ravens to the Super Bowl, right? So like, he was extremely good at his job. He wasn't a good head coach. I mean, he was me, for a minute in New Jersey. Or, yeah, New Jersey. <laughs> no, that's accurate. It sounds like Nate needs to trust the process and trust being a McDermott and just let the chips fall where they may. Oh, I trust being a McDermott. Um, it's it's just that, you know, you, there's, you just have to hold on long enough that you think that the investment's going to work, either or you find out that this whole time you could have been putting something else in place and building that up as time goes on. I mean, Josh Allen's not going anywhere. Now, I think if these guys had, like, if they thought there was an upgrade to Dable, they would do it. Just like if they thought there was an upgrade to anybody on the roster or in the organization, they would do it. I, I think I have that that trust in the organization right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think and I think unlike Rick Dennison, who Rick Dennison just led a poorly conservative offense uh, when he was here, it's just like, it's not that easy. It's not black and white. Let's just get rid of them because anyone will be better. I don't think that's the case with Dable. I think that you could easily hire the wrong person and then you take a step back next year for Josh Allen. So it has to be done you know, thorough in a thorough fashion. And, you know, there's just, I don't, but I don't think we're going to lose Brian Dable to a head coaching hire. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, let's go into our, John, did I give you your wall of shame? You already gave yours, right? Yeah. The refs. Refs. Okay. Yep. That was a correct one. That was a correct answer, Mike. Um, So let's go into Twitter where I asked, as I do after every win or loss, who was on your wall of fame and wall of shame. For today's game, uh, winner go home, which is at Go Bills UK. Writes Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame, Singletary and Hauschka. Everyone else choked. Wall of Shame, everyone except the two famers. The entire second half, Crazy Allen returned. Why? Crazy Allen returned. Why? Don't I don't uh, quite. He's just saying how he plays crazy at times, right? Oh, Crazy I mean, Allen, yeah. During the headlights look, um, tried to flip the ball to Knox. Yeah, Crazy Allen, yeah. Trying to make everything work like it's right. backyard football. Yep, good call. Good call there. That loss hurts. I hope it hurts the locker room too. They need to learn from this. It sucks. Should have been out of sight by halftime. Brett Smart writes, Dable and Allen, wall of shame. The smoke and mirrors are all right for a while. Stop with the trickery and just get some honest... Goddamn yards in the red zone. <laughs> Good call. Good call. There'd be a third and nine call where they're calling like a 16-yard pass or whatever. I'm just like, you don't, or second and nine or whatever. I'm like, you don't need to get all nine yards right now. Like, you you can do it like five yards at a time and still get there. Um, well, that's better than when it was, you know, third and 15 and they would throw at third and five in the last <laughs> 20 years, right? Like, I'd much prefer them to try to get the first down than keep, shooting way under yeah i think i think you need to do yes you need to do more of that but also you know take it in chunks too jared scroggins writes wall of fame singletary and hauschka great effort on both their parts uh wall of shame me 
My wife and daughters came down to watch the second half, and I didn't kick them out when it started to get ugly. My bad. <laughs> oh, that was maybe that's the reason why they uh, the Bills lost. You changed things up in the second round. I like when people think that they're. Uh, there's actually jinxes at work. Like, I mean, it's funny. I think that sometimes too, but I wrote on Twitter that the Bills were up by 16 to 16 nothing and the defense was pitching a shutout. And then the Bills get scored on the next drive. People were like, wait, way to go, jinxer. <laughs> it's like, buddy, if I could change the course of a game with a tweet, then I would just be saying, you know, oh, looks like the Bills are probably going to get scored on again by the Houston Texans. See what happens. <laughs> The Moho River Fish writes, Overtime shame. Why are we trying for home run shots instead of moving the sticks? Shame. Wall shame. Allen for dropping back further and further. Yeah. Those couple of plays really killed that one drive. Towards the end of the game. Luckily, the defense bailed him out. Daryl Hilliard writes, Brian Dable, especially because of the way he started the game off calling plays like a genius and then reverting back to being the same Old Big 12 offensive coordinator again when we needed to play solid, smart football. The most, the most, meaning running the ball, especially in overtime. Wow. Guy's right on. Right on with what we were saying, at least. So if you agree with us, do you agree with Daryl? Paul Crew writes, I don't want to hear anyone complain about the refs when the Bills had a 16-0 and the offense couldn't do a thing against an average secondary. It's actually a very much below average secondary. They were 30th against the pass. This game was in the Bills' laps, and they blew it flat out. Using refs as an excuse is weak. Be better so the refs don't matter. I respectfully disagree, but um, I understand where you're coming from. I hate blaming the refs, uh, but they definitely had a poor call. And uh, we just have to mention, too, as we're recording this, we were just noticing that the Patriots lost to the Tennessee Titans tonight. Well, the final score, 20-13. So, um, great win by the Titans. Glad that the Patriots will not win. And that's going to make the postseason a lot better to watch, to be honest. Not having to worry about the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, everyone wins. Hopefully, Brady and Belichick uh, retire, and we don't have to worry about them ever again. So, hey, you know what? There is some sort of wall of of fame. Us seeing the Patriots lose and uh, not having to worry about Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. Um, at FRO Jive writes, Bills D let us down. No matter the crap calls, they had a chance to stop it. Missed a huge sack. We knew going into the season the strength was not in was not in high scoring. It was in the D. Jason Statham writes, Wall of Fame, Devin Singletary. The young man is going to be a superstar. Wall of Shame. It's hard to say. I wanna I wanna say bad play calling or bad ref calls, but in the end, Josh Allen should be making better decisions. Yes, it's his second year, but some of these decisions. Nearly gave me a stroke. <laughs> we will be back. And Kyle wrote in right after, got back to his hero ball. He had been so good at avoiding that. Came out in the second half today. Dave Thorpe writes in, everyone was a hero and villain. Allen, the D, Dable, we threw that away. Was ours for the taking. For me, only Singletary can hold his head up high. Carried us for three quarters, yards after contact. Just wow. Then he got ignored. Josh dropped the ball before getting hit. WTF is a nightmare. (laughs) And then Shannon writes in right after. I was screaming, where the bleep is Singletary for like half an hour? (laughs) I was wondering the same exact thing. If I'd gone back to the drive summary, I wonder how many plays in between Singletary was actually there or not. Dizzle Dazzle writes, wall of shame, Dable. 
Only he could stop Singletary. Houston couldn't. Wall of Fame, Hauschka. Clutch field goal and 4 for 4 in the day. Wish he could. Wish he had a shot in overtime. Thanks, refs. And then he writes right after that, actually, I didn't want to give a second shame for that. I did want to give a second shame for that alternate ref running onto the field and taking away a touchdown from the Bills at the start of the second half. Rules are rules, bro. <laughs> Man. You know, it would have been so much easier to take this loss if there weren't a couple of those plays during the game that just completely shifted the game like that. Um, the missed delay of game call. The uh, Cody Ford illegal blindside block. Or, and then there was the... Uh, the, the beginning of the second half, you know, non-touchdown by the Bills special teams uh, coverage unit. And then Joey V writes, nobody gets any fame other than Singletary. Everyone else belongs on wall of the shame. That was pathetic. I tried to stay as positive as possible for my beloved Bills, but that was horrible, pathetic. So then Taylor Lennon writes in for the 4700th time this season, Dable on the wall of shame. Bill Blitz, Bill's Blitzkrieg writes, no more excuses for Josh Allen. He gets on the wall of shame for that complete collapse in the fourth. Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes get wall of shame. Recog- re- I'm sure he means wall of fame. Wall of fame recognition because they got they brought pressure all game. Defense was stellar. Simply need to score more. One trick TD isn't uh, is not enough. That's true. The one touchdown they scored was on a complete trick pass or trick uh, play call. The Bills backers in St. Peak right right. Wall of Fame, Devin Singletary in the first half D. Wall of Shame, Dable's play calling. Allen made some crucial mistakes, fumble, taking a bad sack, intentional grounding, but also maintained his composure enough to help us tie the game. Ah, tough one to uh, to swallow. Good call. I think I'm going to end it there because, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not as much fun talking about this loss. I know we're going to go into this season with some optimism. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, you guys walk away from this game. This, today sucked the game. Uh, losing this game really hurts mentally, emotionally, somewhat physically. I was really nervous before the game. I couldn't eat, which is very rare for me. It's like, uh, I can't really, I'm just, uh, just got some butterflies in my stomach. And then, you know, I felt great in the first half. And then the second half, it just, okay, okay. You know, the Texans are scoring. That's okay. The Bills, the Bills defense will start to hold him. And then Bills offense will, you know, at least score a few more points. And It reminds me of my favorite uh, Norm McDonald joke. Remember when he was on SNL doing the weekend update with Richard Jewell, the Atlantic, the Atlanta during the Olympics, he found the backpack with the bomb, Mm -hmm. right? And the FBI thought it was, he was a suspect for a long time. There's a new movie with Clint Eastwood out about him, or not with Clint, he directed it. Like ruined his life, right? Right, right. (laughs) Well, Norm McDonald was like, oh, he, he, you know, he was, Richard Jewell so worked up by the, by the accusation he couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep. Well, okay, he could eat. (laughs) Mr. Jewel was a bigger man. Hey, yeah, I know. I know, Mike. I know, God. I need to lose weight in comparison to Richard Jewel. No, this was that, a, a crushing loss. Yeah. Um, but it's an exciting time to be a Bills fan, I think. Um, proud of the team. Great effort today. Great effort all year. It was a really fun season. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, I think 31 fan bases are going to be disappointed. Right? And we had a lot of... Good times. Yeah. This season. We, I mean, we got bounced in the same round as the Patriots. So, hey, you know, it happens. Even to the dynasties, they'll crumble eventually. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. The Bills have $90 million in cap space. I believe they have nine draft picks this next year. I can't remember if it's nine or ten. Um, so they have draft capital. They have cap space. Um, they can improve. There's not a ton of 
I mean, there's some notable free agents that could potentially be leaving for higher contracts. And uh, we'll see what the Bills do. But um, So they might get some compensatory picks if those guys – I don't know. There's there's a lot to discuss this offseason. There's just some exciting things. John, would you say you're on the positive track either, even though we started off this podcast and you were, uh, were kind of like uh, Eeyore back there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always positive when it comes to the Bills. Um, you know, they've made the playoffs two of the last three years. Um, I I like where the organization is headed. Um, it just, today just sucked. Yeah. Yeah, you know, enough can't be stated about the two of the three past years of making the playoffs. And the one year that they didn't have it, I mean, they were working with like 75% of the cap. So they had absolutely no cap space left over from the previous regime. So there was, yeah, this is, this is a great time to be a Bills fan. When you consider all the crap that we went through for us, I mean, you think about us, like in our twenties and thirties, basically we're ruined. (laughs) Like Kyle Brandt said that on good morning football. He's like, if you're a Bills fan and you're around my age, he's like, Bill Belichick has ruined your twenties and (laughs) thirties. Like the Patriots have, you've, you've just, you've always had to face us. And the two of the three past three, two of the past three years, we've made the postseason. Yeah, it's 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 pretty sad when the Bills' last playoff win I have recorded on VHS. Did you did you watch it? I didn't watch that game. I actually watched the comeback game today. Did you? Which was which DVD, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 ninety five win against the Dolphins at the time I recorded on VHS, and I, I still have the, the the tape. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so hard to think about enough optimism because it stinks so bad today and um, we could easily be talking about the bills potentially playing i mean they'd be playing the chiefs if they'd won tonight um and the ravens are playing the titans next week so but either way i mean you know i think there's a lot to be excited about um everything's trending up right Allen had a much better sophomore season looks like the answer um now we have great playoff experience and can make a lot of noise next year yeah the bill i'd say you know biggest improvements were josh allen um, this season, the offense did definitely take a step forward. So we'll see. I imagine I imagine Brian Dable will come back um, next season anyway. I mean, just as much as we just talk speculation, just for the fun of it. Um, I can't really see that changing. And, you know, it, that'll be exciting. We'll really be able to see, you know, Josh Allen in his third season, another full off season. you know, some a lot of the same weapons. At least there will be some continuity along um, the offensive line and their wide receivers for the first time in he didn't have any continuity after the first season. He had nine new starters on offense. Only he and Deion Dawkins were left over from the season before. So this will be an exciting time for the Bills offense. I think they take a step forward. And yeah, there'll be a lot of things to talk about. So, you know, look for us um, this offseason um, as we talk more Bills. And I uh, just want to give some quick thank yous out there. I want to thank the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network for, you know, uh, just uh, this is a great a team to work for. Um, Anthony Marino does a great job of running this. Matt Warren um, does a lot of, of the back end stuff as well. Um, so I want to thank those guys uh, a lot. You know, there's a lot of great podcasts that go with our network and appreciate all the great work that they do and all of the stuff that they cover that we might miss on the post game show. Um, they always have you covered for narratives during the week and, you know, looking at the, the next week's preview um, Podcasts obviously include Anthony Marino with uh, Buff- Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Matt Warren, the Rumblings Q&A, the Mafia Mavens, Nick and Nolan Show, Believe. I mean, just, um, you know, when we started this a year and a half ago, it was just us for a while. And then, you know, 
Matt joined in and it was just, it's just become what it is and it's grown by leaps and bounds. So we appreciate everyone's hard work and, and the ability to be a part of that. Um, want to thank the Buffalo Rumbling site and the writers they do a great job every week, um, including um, Jeff Kontrowski, AKA Scare Show, or AKA Scarecrow, and Sean Murphy. They've both come on the podcast this season to do interviews. Hope to do more of the great writers on buffalorumblings.com and uh, get them on for their perspective because they always do a great, great job every week um, giving just so much content. Um, want to thank our families um, that allow us to do this on a daily basis. Um, you know, obviously, there's some time taken away from them to in order to record. We try to minimize that as much as possible, record a little bit later, so we're not missing out on those things. But, um, you know, our families, obviously, you know, we take time out of something. We're not taking time out of our 40-hour work weeks to uh, to do this podcast. So uh, so appreciate, you know, our, our our significant others, our families, our children for for taking some time for allowing us to, to enjoy this and have fun talking to you guys. I want to thank our listeners nearby in Western New York and all over the world. In fact, we're really happy that we've been able to help create a, a small community of listeners that may not live near each other. I mean, we just had a reviewer from um, a review from a guy in Apple Podcasts um, that, that lives in Guam, and he's like, "I'm the only Bills fan out here," and because of you guys, I feel like I'm right there. Um, you know, he mentioned us and a few other podcasts on the network, but you know, being able to share, um, you know, being a Bills fan and talking talking Bills with you guys. And it just, it's, it's just, a, it's such an honor to do that and to make you feel like, you know, there's a lot of listeners we have from different countries, from the UK, from Australia that we've talked to, um, from different states, people in Seattle, people in, you know, Nebraska, people that, you know, mention us and like, you know, I don't have any Bills fans where I live. Us listening or myself listening to you guys, it feels like I'm talking to my friends. Um, and that's a, that's a huge, it's just, it means a lot to us, um, you know, Believe it or not, this does actually take some time to create and produce and edit, and um, so to know that that this is all being done and um, you guys appreciate it and you guys listen, um, it means the world to us. And and I know Mike and John appreciate that as well. And um, you know, obviously, want to uh, say thank you for myself to Mike and John for you guys always being there week in and week out and taking the time to you know, come on and talk bills with us. When we first had this idea a few years ago, just to start a bills podcast, there was like three out there. So I'm like, Oh, we could probably do this. Right. And now there's like, you know, 303 out there. So, um, you know, you guys have been there every step of the journey. Mike's not even looking at me. He's scrolling on his phone. <laughs> Doesn't really care about this, but you know, thanks for you guys for, for doing this. It's, uh, it wouldn't be the same without you guys. And I wouldn't replace you if I had a chance. Thanks, Nate. I think the same thing. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, John. Thank you. Like anything? Are we done? <laughs> Look, <laughs> Brady is old as shit. Their dynasty's over. Um, the Jets are a decade away. Dolphins probably two. Yeah. What an amazing time for next year. Yeah. If, I can't imagine not you not being a Bills fan if you're listening to this podcast, but if you're not a Tell your friends, tell your family, because next year you'll be totally banned. You'll be bandwagon if you're getting try to get in next year. Now's the time. Yeah, so glad that the Dolphins. What was that, John? Home playoff game next year. Win the division. Ooh, nice, nice. I mean, you got to be happy with the division, Mike. Like you said, that that Gase and Flores are both going to stay on as head coaches. <laughs> like that's that's amazing. Best thing we could have asked for. <laughs> exactly. 
that I was I was worried that they might fire Gase after one season. Like, no, give us at least one more season of Adam Gase, and we got what we wished for. So awesome. So again, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate you guys being there for most of the season. If you came in halfway through the season or just recently, appreciate you guys following us too. Um, so we'll be talking bills for, you know, up until the draft and uh, maybe I'm sure thereafter leading into train camp. I mean, this is a full full year gig um, and, you know, we'll, we'll try to bring you some unique perspective and stats and, you know, some interviews are going to be coming along now that, you know, a lot of the media guys availability is going to open up. So that'll be fun. So signing off for the last time of the, the regular season plus postseason of the Buffalo Bills 2019 run for John. Only 109 days until the draft. For Mike. Go Bills. It was fun. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.